unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. We are recording. This is... You know, if we're going to talk about an emotion that gets the short shrift in copywriting, I believe the most powerful emotion of all that comes to motivating people, that emotion is envy. And envy is controversial because there are so many prohibitions against it. We'll talk about those today. But it's also widespread from solopreneurs to marketing from the largest corporations in the world. People use envy. Some observers have suggested, for example, that Apple is expert in making its products objects of aspirational desire by creating envy subtly in its ads. And they're the largest or the second largest corporation in the world. We have a lot more examples of envy in marketing, and some of them are very concrete in today's show. But first, I hope you're not the least bit envious when I tell you copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Envy, I wanted to take a deep dive today to talk about Envy as something to use in copywriting. Well, that's not exactly right because people have been using it for decades, but I've never seen anything written specifically about it or heard anyone talk directly about it. And there may have been, but I haven't seen it. And there's a good reason people don't talk about it much. It's volatile. It's almost like we're not supposed to. I mean, let's go back to the Bible. Book of Job, Old Testament, chapter 5, verse 2. For wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. And Shakespeare had plenty to say this from Henry VI, part one. Act four, scene one, but more when envy breed unkind division. There comes ruin, there begins confusion. Mm-hmm. Kind of like envy is taboo, right? A whole bunch of prohibitions against coveting in the Ten Commandments. And coveting, of course, is simply another word for envy. But be, before we get to this deep dive, let me tell you about a couple of things that happened regarding clients. First, this first thing happened a week ago. One of my mentoring clients was telling you about a conversation he had. He had it with someone who realized as they were talking that a friend of theirs had an online product and this guy didn't. That led him to signing up with my client to develop a product, pretty much like that. Do you see how subtly and quickly envy kicked in and motivated action? When I heard that story, it reminded me of something that happened maybe 10 years ago in my own business. Two of my hotshot coaching clients were at an internet marketing conference, and they were riffing headlines at each other as fast as they could on the spot, trying to one-up each other. 
trying to see who could come up with the most headlines faster. And just by the way, after that conference, both of these guys went on to make millions in their own businesses. But back at the conference, when they were riffing headlines, a mutual friend came up to them, kind of shocked at what they were doing and said, where'd you guys to learn to do that? And they told him they learned it from me. The third guy, the mutual friend, contacted me, and I ended up mentoring him and a few of his team members, six figures of business and all. Mm-hmm. Again, envy at play in the spur of the moment. My new clients saw what the other two were doing, and he was envious. They couldn't do it himself. This led him to contact me, and we ended up doing a lot of work together. So one takeaway from both of these stories is that envy is such a built-in reflex that for most of us, most of the time, it just flies under the radar. But today, we're going to bring it out from under the radar and into the bright sunlight. I kind of feel like about envy the same way that I feel about ego kind of gets a bad rap. I feel like because envy is... In the Bible, I'm pretty sure envy is one of the seven deadly sins and ego kind of gets that same bad rap. We have like this icky feeling attached to it, but it's kind of a double-edged sword. Envy can be bad if you spend your whole time worrying about how great other people are doing on Instagram. Your life is going to suck, but if you can use that envy to propel yourself forward, like in the examples you were mentioning, instead of just saying, oh man, it's not fair that other people are so good at writing headlines and I'm not. Oh man, that guy's great at writing headlines. I want to know where he learned that from so that I can do the same thing. There's two ways to approach envy and envy can work for you or against you. So I just think that that's kind of an important frame to look at this through as we go through the examples in this episode. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't thought of it quite that clearly up till now, so I appreciate your saying that. And it's it's true. Um, I mean, so let's say there's good envy and bad envy, and hopefully by the end of this, you'll know the difference. Choose to avoid bad envy. It's going to be up to you. Oh, and understand how to use good envy. Okay, so why is envy such a powerful emotion? You know, I met a guy long before I had done anything with Agora Financial. I met a guy who worked there at a conference and he said to me, you know, the copywriters joke that we have two departments, the department of fear and the department of greed. (laughs) And you hear that a lot, right? That fear and greed are the most powerful motivators. And I'm not going to argue with that. They're very powerful. But the thing about envy is it really covers both. When you see something that you want that you don't have and you feel envious, you're afraid you'll never get it and you're greedy to want it and want it for yourself. So it's all there. And it's been used in headlines for a long time. I I pulled these headlines out of Victor Schwab's classic book, How to Write a Good Advertisement. And, you know, trigger warning, you might get offended by some of these headlines, but (laughs) they worked and they're from another era. First one, advice to wives whose husbands don't save money, buy a wife. Okay, this may be obvious, 
But a headline like this is bound to stir up envy in a woman, in a family, where the man is in charge of the money, and he doesn't save any of it. She's got to read the ad to find out what the other woman's secret is, what her advice is. And this is from long ago, so the headline is bound to push some buttons today. But it's a striking example that I wanted to lead with to get everyone focused on how 12 words can kick up a torrent of envy in the right prospect. I'm thinking of like the old leave it to beaver days. And if you're looking across the street and your friend's husband is doing your husband and her husband have the same job, they're pulling in the same amount of money, but your friend's husband is blowing it at the casino or your friend, your husband's blowing it at the casino and your friend's husband is stacking up those racks. I could see envy starting to play a role. Oh yeah. I don't remember that particular episode of Leave to Beaver, but <laughs> for sure. Okay, another classic headline from Vic Schwab's book, Who Else Wants a Screen Star Figure? And this is a pure play for Envy. She has a screen star figure. Mm-hmm. Do you want one? Right? It's pro- probably the most swiped headline in direct response. I've seen it over and over again, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah, who else wants a beach-ready body this summer? Right. Okay, here's the third one. It's a shame for you not to make good money when these men do it so easily. Mm. Now, this one gets a little more aggressive. It's indirect. It's kind of implicitly shaming the man for not making good money or maybe good enough money and attempting to get him to envy the men who do it so easily. I would say an aggressive use of envy like this is higher risk. It can work great, but it can also fail spectacularly. And even if it does work great, it opens you up to more criticism than less blatant approaches. I would agree with those criticisms, but I would also hearken to, especially like nowadays with so many people wanting to start their own business, they work for somebody else. And they look at their boss and they're like, how does this jackass own a business, manage? I mean, I'm smarter than this guy. Why am, why am I working for him and not for myself? That's a, that's a very relatable feeling for a lot of people. So to tap into it, you got to be careful about it. But it's something very powerful to tap into. And it, it definitely is along the lines of envy. Right. And and it's it's all in the phrasing, but the third word of this headline is shame. Right. <laughs> so just pointing that out. Now <clears throat> now, envy also shows up a lot in pop culture. I mean, there are so many songs about envy. Here's one example from the Beatles. Everybody wants to be my baby. Everybody wants to be my baby. Envy among groupies, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure you knew all about that when <laughs> we we um, don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I know that's true. One reason we have there, I mean, there's a neurological reason. There's a, a neuroscience a- anatomical reason that we have envy. Not the only reason, and it's not the complete function, but it's important to know about it. it's mirror neurons, and these are the same neurons in our, our brain that allow us to feel empathy. Basically, mirror neurons allow you to replicate 
an experience, emotion, and emotion that you're seeing another person. For example, here's my cup of coffee. Notice it says the persuasion story code on it, purely incidental thing. So I'm drinking coffee. Nathan, this is only for you and the YouTube viewers. The uh, listeners are just going to have to imagine, but I'll do the sound effect. And just when uh, I'm doing that, well, the second time you followed me, maybe you got envious, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know what happened. But that is built. That is not an acquired skill or, you know, genetically random. Everyone has these mirror neurons. And an academic magazine called the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology published an article. And this relates back to something you said, Nathan. It suggests when people look at social media sites like Instagram, their own mirror neurons help create feelings of envy. You'd see somebody with a body that's hotter than yours or a car that's cooler than yours, and your mirror neurons create envy of that person. It's a natural reaction, and it's happening everywhere these days, Instagram. And and it at this point where it's unrealistic or maybe the person you're looking at is faking it or their circumstances are so vastly different than yours that it's just not realistic to compare yourself, that's where it gets toxic, right? But, you know, there there's always a, you know, a range of things to consider. I'm going to add in real quick. This is one of the more benevolent uses of envy that I've come across in my career. When my daughter was learning how to skateboard, she really wanted to learn how to skateboard and she was really into it, but she kept getting down on herself. And so I would play her videos of people doing cool skateboard tricks and it didn't work until I found videos of girls doing skateboard tricks. And then she was like, oh, that's somebody like me. I can do this. And Using that same logic inside of your copy, making sure that you're getting testimonials from people that look like your ideal prospect, making sure that if you have a spokesperson or a mouthpiece, a, a talking head for your promotion, that someone is somebody that your prospect can identify with. That is a healthy way to really kick that envy into action because it's also empowering. It's not just envy. It's a mix of envy plus empowerment. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, a really great distinction. Let, let's talk a little more, though, about what makes envy tricky to talk about, much less suggest to use like we're doing here. Envy is just not socially acceptable big time. So... Sandra Schrock is CEO of Levelhead. It's a corporate training company. And on the company's blog, she writes, in our culture, envy is banned by our norms of social behavior, norms that tell us to be well-mannered and happy for the success of others. It's even an emotion that is prohibited by most religions. Since envy arises from social comparison, it is more important than ever to address this rarely discussed emotion. Our society of winners and losers may make us believe we are all fighting for the same scarce resources. It may even lead us to believe that the definition of success is the same for all of us. But these feelings can have a huge impact on us. For example, a recent study of 18,000 people over the years from 
2005, 2009, and 2013 found that a higher level of envy will result in a lower mental well-being in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's clear, you know, why it's sort of, you know, not socially acceptable. And we're going to talk about some of these prohibitions against envy or some of the sayings about envy and, and check to see how they tune in with reality a little later in the show. But for now, let's go with this idea. Perfect or not, good or bad, acceptable or unacceptable, envy is here to stay, and there are times and places and copy to use it, and that's what we'll talk about next. All right, so how to use envy and copy? I've broken it down to three ways. The first way is compare a person's own past to them, compare a person's current self to their past self or their current self to their future potential self. So here's an example of that. How would you like to earn twice as much this year as you did last year, but doing less work? So the past and present self becomes envious of the imagined future self. Mm, I like it. Okay. Now the key thing here is the power of contrast. When you set up one more desirable thing against a less desirable thing, which represents to the prospect today, the prospect becomes more envious of the more desirable thing, and you can motivate that prospect to take action more easily. All right. Second way is FOMO, fear of missing out. And this is a form of envy indirectly. If you have a fear of missing out on something, It's not too far away from envying those who got something you're afraid you won't be able to get yourself or those who will get something you're afraid you won't be able to get yourself. Mm -hmm. So simple copy example, we're limiting this to the first 50 customers. Something as simple as that creates FOMO for someone who's really interested, really envy of the others in an imagined future where the prospect gets left out. So, both of these examples don't really rub me the wrong way. They they feel very ethical, we'll say. But this next one that you have written down kind of does scare me a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll fix that. Here's here's one that probably ought to offend you. Third way is is more aggressive, more controversial, and that is where you compare a person to others by shaming the person. Mm-hmm. And this is the most extreme or blatant form of envy. It's biting around the edges of what the sages have said throughout history about the evils of envy, which we'll be talking about in less than five minutes. And it is combining contrast and shaming to generate envy. Imagine some bulked up chucklehead posing with his probably rented Lambo on Instagram and the following copy. You're not half the man I am if you're not built like this and you can't afford a car like that. Mm -hmm. Followed, of course, with a pitch and a buy link for his combination muscle building and wealth building course. Hmm. Well, that's just pathetic. But there are enough people with just enough money who respond to that kind of thing to make it profitable. Mm. So I got two things to say. Uh, Number one, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, T. Harv Eckerd. I think is the author of that. He's Mm -hmm. very good at using that. 
I know why you're not going to answer. It's because you're broke, aren't you? And he does it in a way that is shaming, but I will have to, I have to admit his book completely changed the way I looked at my own relationship with money for the better. So it was a lot of shaming in that book, but it, for me, it was very helpful. Well, yeah, but was it shaming or, or, or was it confrontive provoking? Cause there's a difference. He didn't say, you know why you can't do this? Cause you're too freaking stupid to make any money. He didn't say that, right? You're right. Okay. So there's that. And then in the like pickup artist world, there's this term called negging where like you kind of shame someone to break down their confidence to make them more dependent on you. Kind of like the mother duck that pecks on the babies and the babies love the mother more because she peck, she pecks on them. I see a lot in the self-improvement different self-improvement niches. I see people try to use this and sometimes to success, but a lot of times it's a complete turnoff to me because I feel like maybe I'm just not their target market, but I do see a lot of the shame marketing and self-improvement niches. Yeah. I mean, for, for somebody who has self-esteem problem, it's, it's going to reach them where they live. I mean, pragmatically, it's probably an effective strategy. I don't think, I like it, but I can't control what they do. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. All right, let's, let's move on to what the sages say. I, you know, Envy has gotten a bad rap across time, but it has proven time time again to be a prime motivator in human history. So first, what a, a few great people have said, Socrates said, envy actually pulls you in the opposite direction you're yearning to go. Mm. The envious person grows lean with the fatness of their neighbor. And mm. French author Victor Hugo thought saw envy as something evil people have the wicked and the wicked envy and hate it is their way of admiring it's interesting i i feel that one yeah uh former uk prime minister margaret thatcher saw envy as only destructive the spirit of envy can destroy it can never build and russian american writer maria konnikova picks up where Victor Hugo left off. She offers a really important distinction and a warning. 
Benign envy can sound a lot like admiration. The difference is, while admiration feels good, envy is painful. Mm. And there's a good point there. That might be why people can get motivated by it, because they want to escape the feeling of the pain. And finally, from actor and professional workaholic Dustin Hoffman, I envy people who can just look at a sunset. I wonder how you can shoot it. There's nothing more grotesque to me than a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have a good life, Dustin. All right. So I went through a lot of quotes to select the five I shared with you. And I think those particular quotes are tighter and more interesting than most. But they represent what most people say, at least publicly, about envy, mainly that it's bad. You should Mm -hmm. avoid it. Maybe some of them would even like to make it illegal. But let's look at what real life tells us. Start with the electric light, the electric outlets in your house. In fact, the whole power grid. So in the late 1800s, Nicholas Tesla and Thomas Edison got into a real grudge match over whose system of electric current would electrify the country. Edison promoted direct current like you get from a battery, and Tesla promoted alternating current, which is what we ended up getting and is used around the world. But it was a bitter competition until Tesla won, and professional envy between the two of them had a lot to do with how nasty it got. For example, alternating current, the one we use, is less expensive, but it's more dangerous. So at a public demonstration, Edison supporters would apply a mild electric current to an animal, stunning it. Then they would crank up the voltage and apply the shock to the animal, electrocuting it in front of an audience, just to prove how dangerous AC was. It wasn't pretty, but envy led to that bitter competition which led to electricity everywhere. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't enjoy that, did you? So let's, let's go back in history to Rome, the time of Michelangelo and Leonardo. And Nathan, I know you're a big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that's not the Michelangelo I'm talking about. I'm talking about the artist who lived in the 15th and 16th centuries. So Michelangelo and Leonardo weren't friendly competitors. They hated each other. Besides competing for the same artistic commissions, they had almost diametrically opposite views on what was most important in life and art. Da Vinci focused more on science and nature, and Michelangelo's top value was the perfect beauty of the human body. Now, I'm a fan of Da Vinci for many reasons, but between the two, I've got to say I'm a bigger fan of Michelangelo after all. He created what is probably the most famous sculpture in the world, simply known as David. Oh, you would. Okay. I had to. I couldn't resist that one. (laughs) It's no exaggeration. (laughs) It's no exaggeration to say that the innovation and excellence from both these artists was greatly spurred on by envy. When my brother was alive and we had our record label, we were a hip-hop duo, and he was definitely the better rap artist out of the two of us, but he was always pushing me to do better. And then when I would write something that topped what he had written, he'd come back and be like, okay, I got to, I got to come harder on this next verse. And so it was one of those things where we had envy for each other and it 
always was pushing us to do better and better. So in both of these examples, Nikola Tesla, Edison, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, envy led to better outcomes for the world at large because it pushed them to do better. Yeah, I, I think so too. But now let's talk about Tang, that delicious powdered instant orange juice mix, if you like that kind of thing. Contrary to popular belief, Tang was not invented by NASA. It was formulated by two scientists, both named William, who worked for General Foods, William A. Mitchell and William Bruce James. Now, I'm not going to talk about the rivalry or the envy between the two Williams, because I don't know if there was any. But people associate Tang with the astronauts. And yes, they really did take Tang up into their space capsules early in the space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Now, this is where we're going to get into envy. In 1957, the USSR launched the first man-made satellite into space, Sputnik 1. And this created tremendous envy in the United States. Interestingly, Tang was also invented in 1957. But like I said, I don't think Tang itself had anything to do with the envy. Maybe among citrus growers. I don't mm. know. Historians say this envy culminated in the U.S. winning the race by putting the first man on the moon in 1969. And tremendous technology was developed over the course of the decade that led up to the moon landing, which, which resulted in advances including solar panels, digital photography, and something almost as good as Tang, freeze-dried food. So, score another one for Envy. I can't wait till we get the emails from listeners saying, we never went to the moon. <laughs> well, for, for those of you who choose to celebrate. Okay, so <laughs> how do you choose when to use Envy and when not to? If I had to come up with one rule of thumb, I would say that the most ethical way to use envy is when it doesn't diminish or demean your prospect. Mm -hmm. But Nathan gave a great distinction. You gave a great distinction with Harv Ecker. It, it shocked you into something maybe without making you feel two inches tall. I don't know. Now, on the flip side of that, sometimes the shaming approach is more effective, but probably not in the long term. If you make people feel really bad about themselves, Sooner or later, they will want to move away from you, even if they buy from you initially because envy is just that powerful. Mm -hmm. Before we recap, I'll wrap up by saying, now that you understand the nitty-gritty about envy, you've got a powerful tool in your hands. Use it wisely. Yeah, I would just emphasize it is a very powerful tool, and I think that we've done a good job laying out it can be used for ill. It can be used for good. It can blow up in your face if you don't use it properly. So be careful with what you learned in this episode. Yes. Uh, ditto. Okay. So recap. Envy could be one of the most powerful emotions. It could be the most powerful emotion in copywriting. I think it is. It embodies both the power of greed and fear into one emotion, and it often flies under the radar. There are a lot of social and spiritual prohibitions against having envy. But envy has been used freely as a motivator for decades. Hmm. Envy can rightly be credited with some of the greatest artistic 
and technology achievements in the history of the world. And if you're envious of the people who have been mentored by me and can riff headlines like that, there's an easy solution. Go to GarfinkelCoaching.com and fill out an application. Dang, you nailed it with that call to action at the end, David. (laughs) Thank you. All right. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want more free content, check out copywriterspodcast.com. We got a ton, over 350 episodes over there now. Absolutely free, a wealth of knowledge. And then when you want to take it up to the next step, garfinkelcoaching.com is where you do that. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.